Are you looking to make better, healthier choices this year? Then let me help you out by introducing you to ButcherBox. ButcherBox not only helps you treat yourself to more delicious and wholesome meals, but it takes the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat with humanely raised beef, pork, chicken, seafood, and more that's delivered straight to your door. ButcherBox partners with folks who share their high standards and truly care about how animals are raised. Plus, they're B Corps certified, which makes me feel even better about my decision to be part of the ButcherBox community. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus get, 20, plus get $20 off your first order. That's right. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free offer and get $20 off. If I asked you right now to list all of the subscriptions you pay for, would you be able to? I really thought my answer to that question would be a resounding yes. But with the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find some sneaky ones I must have forgotten to cancel before the free trial ran out. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting slash kid subscriptions, though they all seem like really small amounts, when pulled together, that's a pretty big chunk of your spending money out the door. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. Sometimes a criminal can become their own undoing. On December 10th, 2000, the body of a brutally tortured man was found in a Polish river in what appeared to be a, quote, perfect crime. A crime that remained unsolved until the killer got a little too confident. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On December 10, 2000, three friends huddled together in the banks of the River Oder in Wrocław, Poland, casting out their lines when one noticed something floating by the shore. At first, they simply assumed it was a fallen tree limb— but as they got closer, they noticed their limb seemed to have human hair attached. After poking at it with a rod and confirming their fears, they called the police to come remove the discarded body from the river. Around his neck was a noose, and his hands were bound behind his back. Part of the rope, which appeared to be cut with a knife, indicating that the bindings and the noose were once attached to one another, meaning this man was bound in a near back bend in a way that, even the slightest twitch, tightened the rope around his neck. This was clearly no accident. Taken to a pathologist, they were able to determine that, in addition to his horrendous cause of death, this man had been both tortured and deprived of food prior to his death. But probably one of the worst findings came when fluid was found in his lungs, indicating that, when thrown into the river in his impossible bindings, he was very much still alive. 
A look at the current missing persons reports gave the unknown body his identity. A 35-year-old businessman named Darius Janiszewski, who had been reported missing by his wife about four weeks before. Last seen on November 13th while leaving his advertising firm in Wurzwaff, the police called in Darius's wife to make the official identification. With the help of a birthmark on his chest, she confirmed their suspicions. Almost immediately, police launched a huge investigation, using scuba divers to try and look for more evidence while forensic scientists combed the forests. Investigators tasked with looking into his life for a motive found that the man, despite some earlier turmoil, had a loving marriage, was in the process of adopting a child, had no criminal record, no debt to speak of, and had no known enemies who would want him dead. Friends who knew him described him as a gentleman who, quote, wouldn't harm anybody. The investigation continued for about six months, but with no real leads and absolutely no motive, it was soon dubbed Poland's perfect crime, and the investigation was called off altogether. Two years passed, and then in 2003, a Polish television network broadcast the equivalent of Crime Watch in hopes of finding any new information into Darius's murder. A series of anonymous emails from South Korea and Indonesia came in as a result, referring to the murder as the perfect crime. But after they were written off as nothing more than a macabre prank, all things went silent once again. Then in 2005, the chief inspector, a man in charge of the area's cold cases, got an anonymous telephone call suggesting that he should read the 2003 novel Amok by a man named Christian Bala. In odd request, the inspector looked into the book and found that its synopsis was far too coincidental. Amok was first published back in 2003 by a, quote, travel writer and intellectual who told the story of a narrator named Chris who decided simply for the sake of amusement to kidnap a woman, torture her, tie her up, stab her to death, and throw her into the river that flowed through Poland. Her hands were bound behind her back with a cord that then looped around her neck, forcing her into a backbend position when she was thrown into the river. Sound familiar? Well, the inspector thought so too, and diving a little deeper into the fiction story, found that this Christian Bala knew details about his crime that only the killer would have known. Realizing that there was no way Christian could have concocted this whole story in his imagination, the man was arrested on September 5th, 2005, and held in custody for three days. He was questioned about the details of his novel, to which the author claimed he had created the story based around the details the press released about the murder of Darius Janiszewski. Explaining away their similarities and claiming any and all extra details were simply the product of his imagination and his creativity. While this seemed far-fetched, there was nothing concrete enough to keep him in police custody. Christian was released and police were back where they started. They did, however, seize the writer's passport, to which he responded by saying he was, quote, kidnapped and physically abused by the Polish police and claimed he was asked extremely offensive and graphic questions. He filed formal charges against the police only to be rearrested on January 16, 2006. This led to the Christian Bala Amok Author Defense Committee, which called on citizens to write in protest on his behalf to the Polish Minister of Justice and the Helsinki Foundation for Human Rights. The case was now causing a big stir and the police, who were being painted as the villain in this story, knew they had to prove their case against him and prove it fast. They continued to push and by January of 2006, 
the once adamantly innocent author confessed to murdering Darius Janiszewski. Though he accepted the responsibility, he refused to go into detail about his crime, a crime in which he attempted to make a profit and a career off of as a fiction writer. Unlike his main character, Christian wasn't going to get away with it. The following year, Christian Bala was sentenced to 25 years in prison for planning and leading to the murder of Darius Janiszewski. Due to the lack of physical evidence connecting him to the crime, he could not be convicted of actually carrying out the murder, with the judge stating, quote, Evidence gathered gives sufficient basis to say that Christian Bala committed the crime of leading the killing of Darius Janiszewski. He was the initiator of the murder. His role was leading and planning it. The only real evidence in the case, other than Christian's confession and the book itself, was an account created in Christian's name on an auction site, which he was using to sell the victim's cell phone just four days after his disappearance, and an identified phone call card that was used to make calls to Darius's office and cell phone the morning of his disappearance, and then Christian's girlfriend and parents the days after, meaning Christian was in the possession of Darius's items. They also placed him in South Korea, Indonesia, and Japan when those emails came in talking about Poland's perfect crime. Psychologists hired by the prosecution determined that Christian had a, quote, sadistic tendencies and had similar characteristics to his murderous narrator. They claimed the motive was his jealousy and belief that his wife and Darius Janiszewski had started an affair. While Christian Bala sat behind bars, book sales did skyrocket in the aftermath of his trial, as citizens chomped at the bit to read the sordid details of his real-life crime. It ended up being a bestseller in Poland. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on December 11th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon, or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.